Welcome to Careless Whispod, the podcast where you may be right, we may be crazy, but this just might be the podcast you're looking for. Wow. Inspiring stuff. Woo! <laughs> I am Gary. I'm Jeremy. And today we're here to talk to you. Do you know what? Before you go on, Gary, so do, sorry to interrupt. Please interrupt. Jeez, away. it felt like that introduction just took the longest time, the didn't it? The longest time. Well, it's funny you should say. Oh, wait, you <laughs> oh, did on purpose. Uh, yeah, see? Because we're talking about <laughs> The Longest Time by Billy Joel. Billy Joel's The Longest Time. Uh, but, and, but you said Yes, I said it. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's clever. Welcome. Have you had your biscuits this morning? That's really clever. Have you had your biscuit? No. Can someone, someone get Gary's biscuit? I need my biscuit. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, your dreams were your ticket out. Uh, oh, wait, that's a welcome back, Cotter. We're not doing TV We're not shows. doing TV. Yet. 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 Uh, Stay tuned. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm very, very excited that this week we'll be doing uh, one of my favorite artists. As I can see, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you keep insisting that we do this without pants. I'm not 100% sure why that is necessary. Well, I suppose it's a nice natural feel. You never put up a fight, so <laughs> I keep getting away with it. Uh, Billy Joel's The Longest Time. Oh, yes. Um, classic, classic hit. Now, I've got a feeling that a bit of Jilly Bowl might pop up again because uh, um, Guilty as Charged, I think I've just pretty much put every song he's ever written on the podcast. That's I, I oh, think, on, the, on the playlist. Yeah, I think... Uh, we would be it would be our duty to to cover a little bit more BJ in uh, yeah. upcoming episodes. He he. Everyone could, can, everyone can do with a little bit more BJ in their life. Uh, I know I could, mm. uh, but he could be the subject of oh, his own podcast oh, without basically. a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Uh, in the lead up to to this episode, I was actually watching a whole bunch of Q and A sessions that he did. Yeah, he did those for a while at uh, colleges and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, and he—he's a very great. Those are really. He's a very good. engaging public speaker. He is. Like, yeah, he's he very is. funny. He—he he doesn't take uh, much uh, bullshit. Mm. <laughs> he can, can be a little bit uh, abrasive sometimes, but he's very well spoken. Uh, maybe he should be hosting instead of me because I'm—I'm stumbling <laughs> over my words here. I <laughs> actually did get in contact with him to do that. He—he he said no. Oh, he told me to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, anyway, on the, on the, the longest time, the fourth single off the 1984 album, An Innocent Man. Yes. Um, do, you want to, do you want to give us a little bit of background? Where is this sitting? Again, set the scene, Gary. Where is this sitting in the BJ oeuvre? Well, I, I guess I could start with a little bit of background on Billy Joel, uh, just to the lead up to An Innocent Man. I mean, we shouldn't really have to tell the listeners who Billy Joel, who Sir, who Saint Billy Joel is. <laughs> The mighty, mighty Billy Joel. But the, we'll give you a little bit of background. The mighty BG. Um, yeah, if you if you don't know who he is, then you probably shouldn't be listening. Yeah, to this really. Podcast. I, I kind of really... Because we're going to balls it up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, he has a long and storied career, basically. He started, uh, shit, early 60s, around 65. Uh, when he was a teenager, he saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And that was it. And that inspired him to become a musician himself. He played in a British invasion cover band in 65 called the Echoes. Then he went on to play piano on mm. various recordings for a production company called... Uh, Kama Sutra Productions, oh. <laughs> funnily enough. 
so he played on songs for some of the records they were bringing out, one of which was he played on a demo version of Leader of the Pack by the Shangri-Las. Did he? Which uh, became famous, although it wasn't the demo version that became famous. But he played on some of their other songs yeah, that, wow. uh, okay, cool. that got some notoriety. Uh, so after a few couple more bands and kind of, you know, testing the waters a bit, he signed a record contract. He got a record contract for some solo material. He released Cold Spring Harbor in 1971, which is his first solo endeavor. And because of the mixing, I think it was... Uh, and a couple of other elements to it. It wasn't. It was a flop. Basically. Yeah. Right. Okay. But then after that, in '73, he released "Piano Man," which everyone should know. Sorry. So what? Oh, yeah, it's an album called. I think it was. Sorry, let me check my notes. Piano Man. P- 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 piano. And that was piano that was Man. Really successful, him was it? Piano Man. <laughs> Apparently, it was quite successful. I haven't heard I, of it. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't heard of it. Uh, but of course, yes. And then, you know, it just kind of took off from there. He had some amazing early albums being like Turnstiles, 52nd Street, Glass Houses, The Stranger, Stranger. etc., etc. Songs from the Attic, all, all that stuff. Uh, I was a massive, massive yep. Billy Joel nerd for a long time. The, the longest, longest time. We are. And uh, so I'd kind of read about his history uh, and each album has a little bit of a story behind it. Mm. So I think it's good that we just focus on an innocent man. So innocent man, uh, 1984, he'd sort of returned to New York by this stage after being in LA for a while, I Mm. think. Um, Or he'd just recently been divorced, I believe. Ah, uh, an innocent man. Mm. Um, <laughs> and this album sort of plays tribute to his influences, his sort totally. of soul and, and 50s influences, which we hear all over this record. So um, there, are, there are a couple of homages that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs are homages to James Brown. Oh, uh, wow. Wilson Pickett, uh, The Drifters, The Supreme, yep. Sam Cooke, and more. And so that, you can sort of hear that throughout this album. Definitely. Um now, before we go sort of into that any further, uh, this song, uh, I think we mentioned four single off this record, 14 on the US Billboard Hot 100? 14, yes. 25 yes, 14. on the UK singles chart mm-hmm. and number 15 in Australia. In Australia. Um, so probably not one of Billy's, Sir Billy's uh, uh, highest charting songs. Yeah, St. Billy has done better, I think, with his earlier songs. That having been said, it is the only song with the word longest to chart in the Hottest 100, which I thought was a lovely bit of trivia. There you go. Um, Now, interestingly enough, uh, Billy Joel does all the vocals on this track. Yeah, so the they were supposed to get a vocal group in to be the backing track for him. And th- in fact, I think uh, they did bring one in and uh, just didn't work out. So Billy thought they were shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Lord uh, Archduke uh, Billy Joel uh, <laughs> didn't didn't find them up to scratch. So uh, the, the, the producer, Phil Ramone, uh, suggested that Billy do it all and... I didn't know that coming into researching this episode. I didn't know that he recorded all those vocals himself. So what a range on him. I think there's some... I think that actually... And we've spoken about sort of harmonies in previous episodes. Mm. But I think that's actually one of the things that makes it so listenable. Uh, Because he's related to himself. He is actually related to himself. That's correct. 
That makes um, sense. But no, people aren't used to hearing people harmonizing with themselves. That's not yeah, something right. you can do, right? So when you it's hear true. that multi-track, there's, there's something haunting, not haunting, but something really like, what? Like you can't, there's something so arresting about that sound, you know? That's, that's what I think anyway, and we haven't even made it to the money shot yet. <laughs> so that's a call back to episode one of Careless Whispod, where we talk about blood harmonies. Uh, so go and listen to that if you haven't, haven't done so already. We'll wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. Let's keep um, going. <laughs> producer Phil Ramone, though. Um, yeah, tell, uh, tell us about him. A doyen. Uh, in, in the industry wow I believe he passed away I think maybe in 2013 but oh, shit. look honestly I only wrote down a couple because it was just so it's, he's worked with so many people what's a handful obviously very obviously Billy Joel uh, Paul Simon Bob Dylan Chicago mm-hmm. Harry Belafonte Dean wow. Martin Ray Charles just to name a few Jesus and that was just a couple of them, you know what I mean? So so he knew his stuff. He, he knew, knew his stuff. But uh, Phil Ramone worked on numerous albums uh, with Billy Joel. Um, I should have bloody written down what they were, but he he was his uh, longtime producer. Yeah, um, and he was the producer of An Innocent Man. Innocent actually, time. you know what? Uh, as an aside here, there's a great um, podcast that episode that I haven't listened to for years. Um, who is the actor? Oh God, I should have thought harder about this. But um, he's on. You know him. Uh, he's on. Uh, uh, Thirty Rock. You know the guy he impersonates Trump all the time now. What's his name? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin did a podcast. Did you ever listen to yeah, any of that? No, no, he never. He interviews Billy Joel. Oh man, and it's a fantastic interview because. As, as you said, Billy Joel interviews really well. Yeah. He's a very good public speaker, so he yeah. just talks about sort of the history of a lot of his songs. But he sort of talks about his producers and how much of a hand they actually have in his songwriting. So I can't remember if it was specifically Phil Ramone, but I'm pretty sure it was on The Stranger. Mm. Um, one of my favorite Billy Joel songs is Only the Good Die Young. Sure. Um, Great track. And so often Billy would bring in uh, the songs, um, he would have sort of the chords and stuff like that, and he'd sort of play them and the band would sort of play. And um, I'm just going to say it's Phil Ramone because it's a better story. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, would sort of say, no, 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 no. And he'd sort of point at the drums, no, play it like this, play it with this feel, you know what I mean? Mm. And all of a sudden, the song would change and it would and it would ultimately be a hit. So Billy Joel had still written the chords and still written the the lyrics and the melody, but the entire feel changed at, at the behest of the producer. The producer yeah, and it really. sort of would that song have become as big a hit if that change hadn't been made. Now, the longest time was originally written as like a classical piece. Same, same with uh, Uptown Girl. Apparently. Really? Yeah. I was on one of his Q and A's. Uh, I was watching. He said he'd written this classical piece and he played it on the on the piano. Wow. And um, it was the tune of Uptown Girl, but it was like a classical number. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Then he had these lyrics uh, that he had written. Because he was he was just newly divorced, so he was dating a lot of models at the time. This is just, just before he started uh, uh, seeing Christy Brinkley. Uh, now, Christy Br- well, this song was apparently written for Christy Brinkley, right? Yeah, as the, was Uptown Girl. The longest time was about, but in this Q and A, 
he said it was more about girls that he was dating, like Elle McPherson and stuff like that, that he wrote about. Just All these want fancy. You to pause for a minute <laughs> and think about that. Tell he, tell he, her about it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh yeah. I gotta learn how to play piano. I think Billy Joel, massive weapon. <laughs> Allegedly, I mean, I'm assuming. Here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was a little bit of insight there. So, so longest time is about Christy Brinkley, but mm. Uptown Girl was sort of about all the supermodels he was. Well, yeah, he said it was like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different people, and um, and uh, Christy Brinkley, uh, uh, Elle McPherson was one of the main ones that he brought up in that Q and A. Uh, yeah, longest time about Christy Brinkley, and this was about a year or so before they actually got married. Oh wow, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. They got married on a boat there in the go. Hudson in New York, and I, Paul Simon was in attendance. Oh, wow. As were the stray cats. There you go. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. A little and bit you of just trivia. reminded me to put some of them on the list. Um, <laughs> yeah, good idea. There you go. Some uh, trivia that I didn't know about mm. him and Christy Brinkley. Uh, they remain friends to this day. There you go. And it, But again, I literally read all this on Wikipedia, so it could be full of shit. Do you reckon they're friends with benefits? Or? Do you know what? I was about to say no. Yeah. But then he's dated Elle McPherson, so I'm not... <laughs> I don't think we can rule it out. No, he's married again, I think. Yeah. But, well. well Sir I, Billy, <laughs> it's good to be the king. <laughs> uh, so, Innocent Man was uh, an album of homages to different yeah. groups. Uh, this one was... Uh, the Longest Time was a homage to Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's sort of got a doo-wop feel. Uh, this is something I wanted to ask you about. The Longest uh-huh. Time was one single out of many singles of, uh, of An Innocent Man. So the singles were yeah. Tell Her About It, yeah. Uptown Girl, An Innocent Man, The Longest Time, Leave a Tender Moment Alone, Keeping the Faith, and The Night. Man. It actually would be quicker to mention the tracks on the album that, that weren't aren't singles, singles, which were Easy Money, Careless Talk, and Christy Lee. Yeah. Uh, why do you think there were so many... Did, was it just that many good songs on the album, or do you think he was just releasing singles while leading up to a new album or why do you think there's just so many because it's unheard of nowadays to release that many singles off an album you know i have no idea but i suppose he's at the peak probably like the peak because i was reading a sort of quote that he's at peak joel he's he's at peak (laughs) bj (laughs) king billy bj peaks But I, I and I read this as well is like some people sort of consider like his albums previous to this mm. were themselves many were hugely successful. Yeah, so a lot of people mark this album as a bit of a turning point in his career, mm. in that, that a lot of the sort of anger of the angry young man of his yeah. earlier albums the, is perhaps the tension is kind of alleviated is perhaps alleviated a little bit in this, and I think it's just. Probably, I think he was at the height of his popularity. Yeah. And again, we're in 1984. I don't know if he 
I don't know. I actually don't know if there were any videos for this that were on MTV or anything like that. But he was just at the height of his powers in an era where the music industry was at the height of mm, its. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or at least moving into the height of its. You know what I mean? Like you had the like it was the the eighties. It was the age of success, and nowhere nowhere was that probably more apparent than the music industry. So maybe it was just the era of Billy Fever. That could have been. I mean, money for nothing and yeah. L. McPherson for free. Yeah. yeah. So I don't. But I don't know. That's actually a really good question. Yeah. I don't know if they were released before the album or they were released. Uh, they were definitely. They were released after. In fact, uh, Innocent Man came out in '84 and um, no, sorry, '83. And but the uh, single Didn't came out, out in '84. Yeah. So I think they were just kind of milking that album until he came out with uh, the next one, which I think was The Bridge or something like that anyway doesn't matter the point is it's the great point is, <laughs> a lot of fucking singles the one for me growing up though i mean this is a little bit of an aside yeah. the one for me growing up i i still get um triggered in a good way <laughs> whenever i hear um river of dreams oh in the middle of the night yeah. i've been walking yeah. that, which hey could that could end up on an episode unto itself so we won't uh, speak too much now but yeah. i i sort of grew up with it you know i love that Oh, uh, that's what I was going to say. I'd forgotten what I was going to say. But you, you mentioned that the, the, the people were saying that some of his edge was taken off yeah, around yeah, this yeah. time. A lot of people, I, I don't think this is accurate, but a lot of people blame, blame in, in inverted, inverted commas, commas yeah. his relationship with Christy Brinkley for him losing some of that edge. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, uh, I just picture like, at a, a Billy Joel concert in like that time, maybe a couple of years later, in like a stadium or something, <laughs> and it's like a Billy Joel diehard fan, and he's got like a homemade T-shirt that like Brinkley killed Joel. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, disco sucks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> oh dear! Like I just I imagine that sort of attitude reserved for like really sort of that's like a real metal thing right like mm-hmm. we were like that real attitude of oh man it's not real metal it's like <laughs> oh do you like do you like Billy I can Joel? relate to that yeah. do you like yeah pre-christy brinkley joel <laughs> <laughs> pre-cb pre- <laughs> <laughs> pre-cb joel like down in front of his house with a billboard, <laughs> billboard, you know what I mean? A placard, you know? Uh, oh, dear. Bring back pre-CV, Joel. Uh, yeah. Vote one on pre-CV. This, in this podcast, we can assure you we're not just going to cover pre-CV, BJ. Uh, it's going to be all over the shop. Uh, <laughs> Pre and post-CV uh, eras? Yes. Yes. Oh, God. All, the, all, the, all the manifestations of uh, St. Uh, Billy Joel. St. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lordy Billy Joel. <laughs> so let's get on to the music video. Yeah, right? what a video! Oh, one of my favorites. Uh, I, I think one of our earlier episodes. I think it was um, the Higher Love episode. We were talking about placements of the videos in the songs that we've covered. Yeah, in uh, in our favorites kind of thing. And I think this this one's going to be very high. This up is up there. Me. This is up there for sure. I mean, Archduke Billy had really outdone himself uh with this one um but a nice throwback uh director jay dublin 
Uh, Jay Dubin, I think. Jay Dubin? I think it's Dubin. I think I I uh, pronounced it Dublin uh, on the Pointer Sisters ah, episode. Right. Also, the director of Private Eyes. Private Eyes by uh, by um, Hall and Oates, which, which we covered in episode two, which you guys may be familiar with. So we don't really need to go into him, uh, but let's talk about the performances on this. Yeah, video. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that now. Um, the performances that was his backing band at the time I believe so so, I mean this is such a great example of his sense of humour right Mm. like I think Billy Joel I think is quite a funny guy (laughs) and also able to take the piss out of himself a little bit which is which is super important especially for an innocent man you know Um, (laughs) so it's at a high school reunion right a high school reunion in fact they filmed it Sorry, give me one second. They filmed it at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. You went there, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Weren't you dean at the Pratt Institute for a while? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so funny! Oh my god, you you got me. Oh. I need some cream for that burn, but uh, until then, uh... headmaster of the head teacher at the Pratt Institute. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to comment on Billy Joel's, uh, only line in the video besides the singing. Uh, he's got those great glasses on, right? So the janitor who, who we'll get to, who we'll shortly. get to in a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's got the glasses. He's got like a bit of gray in his hair and he's wearing the suit and he's there all dejected after the high school reunion. Yeah. And the janitor's cleaning up. He's like, are you going to be much longer? And uh, and Billy Joel says, nah, not much longer. Just like that. And it's some of the worst acting of yeah. life. <laughs> he is a brilliant storyteller. He's Songwriter. not a good acting. And that's me saying that. Yeah. If, if you've listened to the Death to All But Metal podcast, I'm not a fucking actor. And I can safely yep. say that he is worse than yeah. I am. <laughs> eh, not much longer. Nah, not much longer. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the janitor in the the in the video, I think you had a little bit of a story. Yeah. About so this is um, sort of probably a sad indictment um, on <laughs> race relations in America at the time, which uh, still continue today. But. Um, an interview with, I think, the director? Yeah, Jay. Yeah. With Jay. So there was all these rumours that the guy, the janitor in the film was like some old 50s doo-wop star. Yeah, there you know was all I mean? these rumours going about. There was these rumours going about, but in an interview, Jay uh, Dubin or Jay Dubin says, <laughs> no, that's bullshit, he said of the rumours. This is how that guy gets hired. There was this black guy who got us all this talent on one of the other music videos. I think tell her about it. I remember he used to come into the office all the time saying, Hey, you got any work for me? Do you have to put that accent? No, I, I, well, I was going to go heaps tougher. <laughs> and then I bailed out at the last time. Hey, man. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Eddie Murphy making a comeback. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the producer, John Small, said, No, but I need an older guy who looks like a janitor. And this guy says, hey, no problem. He gets on the phone and says, Uncle Willie, you want to be on TV? And he says, yeah, Uncle Willie will do it. He says to John, how much? And John says, a hundred bucks. He says, Uncle Willie, I'll make you 50 bucks. (laughs) He took 50 and gave Uncle Willie 50. And that's all I remember about that, he says, Mm. which is... uh, yeah. <laughs> now, Uncle Willie, let's just call him Uncle Willie. Let's call him Uncle Willie. I don't Willie. have a last name on this guy. No, no, Uncle Willie, yep. 
what an actor. This Holy is... shit. His performance uh, is incredible. Uh, he, he delivers lines really well. I, I would be like... negotiating uh, for far better deals than $50. That's for damn sure. Definitely. Such another example of uh, shysters in the music biz ripping off the artists. I'm surprised that he didn't do more acting roles uh, after that. But... You might remember episode one when we were covering I'm So Excited by the Pointer Sisters. I was there, yes. You made a very bold claim. What was that? You said one of the very best double takes in recorded history. (laughs) That's right. Is in the I'm So Excited film clip. And I'm here to say... Definitively. I'm going to defend Uncle Willie and say that his double take was far superior. superior. What do you have to say about that? It's right at the end. There, the, all yeah, the, the band's yeah, in the bathroom. The, yeah, this is mm-hmm. for the listener in case they haven't seen it yet. Band's in the bathroom. Yeah, singing the song. Janitor's outside listening through yeah, the door. Uh-huh. They come out. There's, they're giving him high fives and straighten up his. Suit. That's right. One yeah. of them takes his mop away and uses it as like a microphone. Yeah, and um, Janitor watches them go, looks at the camera, and then does a quick double take. And then back to the camera. Yeah. Like he couldn't believe what he just saw. I think within double takes, um, there's there's different genres of double takes. Sure. I think Uncle Willie's overall, you know what? I can't argue with that. Uncle Willie's uh, double take is is I- probably up there. But I would put that if there was a like an Academy Awards just for double takes, <laughs> yep. that would be nominated for best double take solo performance <laughs> i think I do you think, know what i mean whereas yes the i'm so excited uh would be nominated for best supporting double take right yes okay do you no, know what i, I mean? agree with that um, i think we should start this double take awards okay ceremony. definitely let's <laughs> let's note that down so and then at the end of the series we'll, we'll have a winner mm. um it is Strange because it is a very visual gag, isn't it? It is, it is. But uh, maybe we can cut something together and, and put it up for the people. Oh, they can go watch it now. We will wait. Okay, all right. I've got nothing to say to you. <laughs> oh, you're back. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> what a great double take, right? Right at the very end. Uh, yeah, so look, I think that's all I had to say about the music video. Shall we, we, shall we jump into the BJ money shot? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> Jeremy, what is your favorite moment in uh, a longest, the longest time? Uh I love the whole song. It's so difficult for me to choose yeah, a money I, shot Yeah, I found here. it really difficult um, as well. Two. I'm going to give you two. Right. Is right. the classic. Um, now watch yourself, counselor. Uh, <laughs> it's a chief judge of Pratt University. <laughs> 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 There's um, uh, the oh, classic. Yes. Uh, yes, that's great. That's a great little riff. But then I also love the where he goes up. He goes, I'll take my chances. I forgot how nice romance is. You just took my money oh, shot. Oh, really? That's yeah. your money shot? I always, love that. Jeremy's always stealing my money shots. <laughs> and in the podcast. It's crazy. <laughs> I just put the mop away too. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would, 
besides that, I'd say Uncle Willie is probably my money shot. As well. <laughs> Uncle Willie's double take. <laughs> but the whole song, just the harmony. The whole song is just the, the so good. The fact that it's just his voice too. Uh, like the the backing of that is so well done. It's such range. I, I you couldn't tell just listening to it that it was only him. Yeah, doing yeah. The vocals. The whole song is a money shot. The whole song is a money shot. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, this is a exclusive to Careless Whispod. Just before we go, yes, I wanted to bring up one interesting little tidbit for Please, the listeners. Tidbit away. So. While Michael Googling uh, <laughs> some research this week... Is that what we're going to call it from now? Yeah, yeah. Michael, when I was on the Michael Googlers... Sure. I Googled the longest time facts, or Billy Joel's longest time facts. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe... No, I think I just uh, Googled Michael Googled the longest time facts. Mm-hmm. And of course, straight away came up Billy Joel, longest time video clip came up, and then there was some, you know, it was a little bit, about three quarters of the way down the first page was facts about urine. <laughs> and you better believe I clicked on that. Tell, um, please tell me what happened. <laughs> and I just wanted to... This just one little tidbit from that uh, website. You weren't doing this at work, were you? I was, actually. I was... <laughs> <laughs> um, the world's longest pee, mm. 508 seconds. That's eight and a half minutes. Wow. The world record for the longest pee is 508 seconds or eight and a half minutes. And you'd think that that fact came up in Google because you Googled the longest time and it was the longest time someone had peed, but it was actually Billy Joel that peed for (laughs) eight and a half minutes. So there you go. So there you go. It all is a rich (laughs) tapestry. But you know what time it is, folks. It's time to choose the next song. How are we going to do it this week, man? Man, I, I'm not sure. Do you have anything? <laughs> yep. You, you've got something? Yep. Oh, right. I do, actually. Yeah, I've been planning this uh, for a while. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy's just leaving the room uh, for the moment here at the Careless Whispod Studios. Oh, he's going outside, it seems. Uh, narrating his actions. He's just opened the door. Yeah. yeah, I got it. Oh, he's got Thank it. You. See ya. Oh, someone, someone was dropping something off for him. Thank What's you. A, uh, Are you a carrier pigeon? Yeah, right. Um, that, that's what that is. Yeah, but um, it's not. They for some reason there was there was an issue and they just delivered me a rubber chicken. Right. So I was gonna say it didn't look. I thought it was dead or something. I do you want to just use the phone? Yeah, let's just do that. Okay, all right, sweet. It's worked for us so far. Yeah, sweet. I don't know why we're trying to add these new little wrinkles every <laughs> every time we do an episode. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 Fine. 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 All right. Here we go. Next song for Careless Whispod for the next episode coming up right now. Oh, 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 shit. One of my oh, favorites. Yeah. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough of Your Love Baby by Barry White. Fuck. And uh, this is going to be excellent. This we is going to be talk great. about Love Unlimited and can, all that kind of can stuff. Can we call that episode Gazza on Bazza? <laughs> I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice, disservice if, if we, we didn't call it that. Oh, so. God. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm I'm speechless. I'm so excited. Ah, uh, throwback. So on that exciting note, I've been Gary. I'm Jeremy, and you've been listening to Careless Whisper. See ya. Bye.